0: All right. So sorry about the confusion on the time. I forgot to uh, reiterate what we were talking about when when we started talking again.
1: My little white screen, so they're not lighting up my face.
0: I got you. Yeah, I finally had to get a little tiny light over here just because obviously this is just a room in our apartment. This was not designed for, this is not a studio. or The only light is behind me, which does not help whatsoever. Right. So how is the weather down there? This is the chit chat part of the interview. Windy. Oh, so you, you got what we had yesterday. We we sent it on down. It was ridiculous yesterday in Nebraska.
1: Yeah, there's there's like, I mean, okay. So I come from Southern California. So when Georgia sends out these fire warnings, it, it's really difficult for me not to laugh because they pretty much get automatically sent out if the humidity goes below 25%.
0: Which is, yeah, I get that. It was actually kind Wait. of funny. It actually almost snowed the other day in the morning. It was like, you could see a flake here and there. Right. And then it started raining. And the next thing I know, they popped up a fire advisory and like it just right. rained. What are you talking about?
1: Right. Yeah. And and it's just it's it's difficult. It's difficult for me sometimes. When I first moved out here, my Brother-in-law at the time started going on about how they were in the middle of it. we were in the middle of a drought, and my husband and I are looking around at, at all the greenery and going, "I don't think so. No, this isn't what um, this isn't what a drought looks like."
0: Yeah, no. I <laughs> mean, you, you grew up in a California; I grew up in Arizona, so yeah, I totally get right. that. Right?
1: Yeah, we we were just uh, a little skeptical of uh, the idea that that's this qualified as drought. I, you know, different standards. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So you know, um, it's been nice though. It's starting to get warm again.
0: I do like the bookshelves in the background that's always a nice yeah depending hey. on
1: they're a little messy right now but
0: oh yeah. gee, no but it's still the books you know it i i obviously i'm a big big book person yeah
1: the guy who owned this house before we bought it was um a contractor and he did a lot of woodwork and so he has all of these built-in bookcases and I'm not gonna lie that was part of the appeal
0: gotcha yeah, I, I do miss we uh, moved out of a house just downsizing a couple years back and I really do miss all my extra bookshelves. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we actually have a library which is very special.
0: All right, so I'm going to play the uh intro real real quick here. Okay. got you up on zoom now. Um, all right. I'm going to do the, what I call the pre ramble as if you've watched this before, I tend to ramble, so this is just for fun. Welcome to my Twitch channel. If you look down below, there's an about on there. You can click on the about and that'll tell you all of our websites. You can go over to gripped got Tom Obviously I didn't say that username a lot before I picked it or I would have picked something different. Go ahead and hang out there and you can see who's going to be on and when. Also, you can, uh, there's a link to the YouTube video, which will be posted later. That'll be available tomorrow's so roughly about the same time. I usually post it the next day. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and get started here. I'm actually going to start off not about your writing. Uh, I didn't want to ask you a question. Um, I You have done a lot of your own artwork, that is correct. Correct. Right.
1: Yeah, I used to do it professionally.
0: Right. And you, if I understand correctly, you have done some of the artwork that is in the books. I
1: all of it. All yeah. Of it. Okay. The, I, the, the only, only artwork. Sure. So. Yeah. No. The only the only artwork I didn't do is the covers, which Lars Grant West did and has done a fabulous, incredible job with. So which, which I
0: get. It. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wondered: did you feel any extra pressure doing your own artwork, or do you feel that it's actually easier because you're drawing exactly what's in your head?
1: Not gonna lie, there's a couple of times where I was like on deadlines, and those were coming up, and you know there was a certain amount of I have to get all this writing done, but I also have to get all this art done. So yeah, there there were moments. I I never felt any sort of pressure in regards to the art itself because, like you said, it's, I'm gonna do it exactly the way I want it. But but yeah, there there's definitely been some moments, particularly for some of the books where there might have been a lot of different um, chapter art pieces that were required okay. um as as it went further on um as it went further on we were able to i was able to reuse some of them because some of the same ones would come up again but um I, I i do distinctly remember for the second book you know my editor being like oh well but you can you're just going to reuse all this right and i'm like yeah no it's all got to be new
0: gotcha and also on following up on that obviously the art side but also you're a graphic designer as, do you feel that graphic designer has helped you with your writing at all Um,
1: you know, I've gotten that question before and I, I probably think that it's more of just a, an artist thing than a graphic designer specifically thing. Certainly, you know, I, I, I'm trained for color, you know, that that's, that's what I've done for a healthy chunk of my life. So I am, I am very sensitive to color, which shows a lot of the, a lot of things in the book revolve around color. So, you know, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely been a, a, an impact on the work.
0: I just know for like me myself, and again, I'm obviously not a professional writer by any way, shape or form. I didn't know if that was something that would help you because being able to paint a scene when you're trying to write and the fact that you've had this before is like, hey, this is what we want it to look like. And so you've, you've gone maybe through that process. I didn't know if that was helpful or not in your writing career. I think there I had a different time.
1: They're different skills. they're honestly, they're different skills. you know like when you as an artist as particularly as a as a two d artist, you are trying to interpret a three d space as a two d medium and that requires some adjustments and then it requires some ability to disconnect certain parts of your brain that are trying to tell you what you are seeing instead of What you're actually seeing but as a writer you're trying to trigger someone else's imagination so it's not a matter of the the same kind of interpretation that's going on
0: gotcha one question i didn't prepare you for but i was thinking about it today because i was finishing up and no i did not get to the fourth book i did finish up the third book though memory of souls and one of the things i've noticed throughout your book and so i just have to ask you this question are you a foodie? I,
1: I am a foodie,
0: yeah. I, I just am. there was so much <laughs> you, you talked about the food so much. And like everything he ate, except maybe the porridge, uh, was excellent. And so I just had this feeling is like, you you must be sitting there going, like, ooh, let's talk about this food. Ooh, let's talk about that food.
1: And it's it's funny because an awful lot of that food doesn't exist.
0: It does help to make the uh, recipe turn out right every time, I'm sure.
1: Um. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like, there are ingredients that I – Really early on for the first book, Ruin of Kings, I, I had a couple of people come up to me and like, oh, can, is this a thing? Would you be interested in like creating a recipe based on this dish or based on this dish? And I was like, sure, but just understand that the ingredients that are in those dishes that I describe don't have real world counterparts. They're not, right. this this is earth. So not everything is.
0: Uh, yeah. I don't think anybody's going to be going for the roast elephant um, in there. In the, <laughs> I got that. Like I said, I just, like I said, I could really tell that your love of food kind of snuck its way into the book a little bit. Another thing I was going to ask you about, you know, things that change and whether or not they affect your writing. Do you notice a huge difference from when you were in LA, for instance, and in Atlanta, has it affected your, because it's a different climate and stuff like that, has it affected your scenery writing where you meet different people and it affects your character writing?
1: You know, honestly, no, it hasn't. It really hasn't. I, I, I really enjoy living in Georgia. You know, it's it's particularly as somebody who grew up in an environment where greenery was kind of rare. It's it's lovely to be in a place where you can be surrounded by trees and be in the middle of the city. But no. I didn't really, you know, like core was the environment and the setup that it was back in LA. That didn't really change none of the stuff that was there really changed. In fact, I didn't even do any writing in a place that was even similar to a California climate until book three, and it's already well out here by that point, so.
0: Yeah, I think the desert uh, climate, that kind of maybe reminded me of the Southwest there. Yeah, like, uh, you know, the whole intro thing. We're talking to Jen Lyons, by the way. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I just kind of jumped right into there. And I have been reading you, If this will tell you how long I've been reading you. My first book of yours is The Ark. Uh, ah, okay. Indie Next nomination due December third, two thousand eighteen. Please CC your blurb to Mc, Macmillan Rep. Sorry, Macmillan, I didn't get that blurb to you on time. Yeah, one of the pluses of working at, at a bookstore, you know, get to see get to see people uh, early, early on. Like I said, that's how that's how long I've been reading your stuff. And I would have gotten through book four, uh, I told you this earlier, except for the fact that, again, I I read this back in like 2018. It actually says February 2019 on the end, so I'm guessing that was probably the uh, publication date. Yeah. And I'm like, I have got to start over from the beginning. It has been so long. I I remembered the gist of Ruin of Kings, but I totally was like, I can't remember everything about this. So I started from scratch. Sure. And uh, these books are a little thick. And I, uh, I don't say that, you know, hey, I, I love Robert McCammon's Swan Song, which is like over a thousand pages. I don't have a problem with big books, uh, but when you're trying to read four of them in just a couple of weeks, uh, sure. and you have a 40-hour job, <laughs> ran out a little time there. The uh, audio, actually, I wanted to touch on some on the audiobooks, but if anybody is an audiobook fan, uh, I can tell you that these things are about 20 hours each, a little over 20 hours. first of one all, of them
1: was 27.
0: It was, it was, it was <laughs> a little up there. I mean, it, it's a chunk of time. Yeah. I may, I may have fallen asleep to it a couple times at night and had to like re I, I learned early on to set my audiobook to, you know, play until such and such time so I don't have to back up all the way. But the the people who did the reading were great. I'm going to give them credit for that first. Uh, yeah. Second thing I'm going to tell you is if you do like audiobooks, you're probably going to want to be reading the physical copy of this along with it just for me personally. I don't know how many times I got confused, especially on this last book. And I'm like, wait, that's for Carath, not Zol. Oh, no, I can't, no, I can't even say his name. I've confused myself now, but, but key, a couple of the characters. I'm like, wait, who are we talking about again? Yeah. Uh, so definitely, definitely. You do need a scorecard to follow this. It's totally worth it, but you do need a scorecard, especially when, uh, as I was telling you, you're, you're the reincarnation. I'm like, okay, so-and-so says mom, but so is so-and-so. And, and the whole Doc versus Nikolai versus Tarendel versus...
1: I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely one of those things where people came to me and said, this is very complicated. And I was just like, what do you mean?
0: I don't... Was, I don't <laughs> what do you mean? Of course, people re- learn differently. I don't think it was complicated for me when I was reading the book. Uh, but I do think listening to the audiobook there was a couple times because I'm not seeing the name and they right, sound a lot. Right. I'm like, wait, who was that again?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I will admit, I will freely admit that I I didn't plan it this way, but I definitely created a series that is best read in physical form. It is. Um, it is it is not, you know, ebook how ebooks handle footnotes varies widely. Yes. And um, it's either going to be great and fine and no problem at all, or it's going to be a mess. And, And then, like you said, there's a lot of stuff, if you're listening to the audiobook, where it is helpful to be able, like, certainly the audiobook doesn't come with any of the maps, it doesn't come with the appendices, it doesn't come with the family charts it doesn't come with you know any of the things that are in the back of the physical copy so yeah yeah it's definitely a series that is is better if you can get your hands on it it's a bad series to pirate is i guess what i'm saying um
0: i can see that i do have to say did, did you for instance because i can't imagine drawing this did you have a family tree that you were kind of working off of um for, Just for you to keep straight in your mind that this character is also this character, and this character was the parent at such and such a time, but that was a previous life, and now it's no, a character? No, no. Okay. Not until,
1: not until the family trees got drawn later. Well, then um, more
0: power to you, because <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to keep all that straight. That was, that was, that was quite impressive. And don't get me wrong, uh, I, I do love the story, and I know that it had to be written that way. But I, uh, I do know a few people that uh, would probably be looking at this, going, "Now, wait, who's who?" And they're going to have to like have a little picture next to them, going, "Sure, hey, this person is so and so." Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think I think my editor probably wanted to kill me when when she realized that all of the Vane had family name first.
0: <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she 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 was like, "You did what?" I'm like.
0: But you know, that's maybe just an American thing or an English thing, maybe even because there are other cultures where the family sure. does come first.
1: But I ran it all together. And because I ran it all together, people weren't.
0: We stick with what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. But you did explain that though. I think it was in book two. Is it a book one or book two? I know you did explain the whole name yep. of scheme. So it's not like we were just left to, left to figure it out on our
1: own. Yeah, no, I, I I think I explained it more than once even, but it's fine. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I get it. It's just a thing where, for me, it was never a problem to keep all of it straight. And I had to kind of get used to the idea that that, that was not going to be true for my readers and that I was going to have to explain stuff and, and spell stuff out. So,
0: Yeah, one thing I thought was different that you did, um, because in book one, I wasn't totally expecting it. I know you've got a big thing for dragons, and I think book... Book two and three have been out long enough that I'm not going to be doing any major spoilers here, but let's just say, and I will try to avoid spoilers. There are no baby dragons in, in this the no. way that you did them. And I, I thought that was a different take on the whole dragon thing. What brought, did, was that always the plan or is that, was that just something that you kind of came up with? You knew you were going to do dragons, but you wanted to do a different twist or was this always your vision for them?
1: Well, I mean, I, I haven't made any secret about the fact that this started out as a DD and d game. So, because it did. It started out as a, as a really long-running D&D game. It has had life as a setting for a LARP. It it has gone through iterations. And when I decided that I wanted to use it as the setting for books, you know, it was just one originally, <laughs> I knew that I wanted to do something I wanted dragons because I can't not have dragons, but I wanted to do something that was not d d ish with the dragons. So that is, I, I, I'm going to go ahead. and It's not a spoiler either, but only because I've been talking about this from the very beginning. The dragons in my world, it's a curse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a limited number of dragons and they cannot make more because it's a curse so and they didn't start off as dragons they started off as humans yeah that i i haven't seen it done too often there's there's really only a couple of things that even come to mind as being but that's fine
0: you know no i was just curious where where that whole idea came from you know to do it this way uh let's face it most people who write dragons they write dragons the same way dragons are always written um and we probably killed off most of them, and it's all the human's fault. So I, I just thought it was a different take on it, and I was curious. I, I just wanted to pick your brain for a second.
1: Well, so when I when I sat down and decided to do some fundamental levels of world building, right, because again, I knew what I was pushing back against was a lot of established fantasy tropes, and I didn't necessarily want to bring all those with me. So one of the things I decided very early on was that everyone was human, that, that everything started off as humans settling this world, and that any monsters that came into it either came about because of humans or they just flat out used to be humans. There is one exception to that I'm not gonna talk about because of spoilers, but, and you haven't even gotten to it, so it's fine. But, but that informed everything that came after. You know, so, so there couldn't be a monster in the world that was independent of that connection. And, and that, that informed that, you know, the mimics and the, all the, the centaurs and all the different creatures that existed, you know, the, the drakes and the, the thrists and, and just all of the different, um, the morgagi, everybody ultimately had this single point
0: of origin. Which a lot of that stuff you just mentioned, I actually don't think was even introduced until Memory of Souls. The fact that they were all that they'd come, you know, they settled this world and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. Which which leads me to my second question, because or I shouldn't say my second question leads me to another question based on something that you just said. I would not have read Ruin of Kings thinking that this was supposed to be a standalone. So you said it was originally supposed to be one book. I I assumed that before Ruin of Kings was over, you decided this was going to more than one because that's not necessarily a great place to end at the end of Ruin of Kings there's a lot of story left
1: well you gotta understand that the first version of this book never saw the light of day so I wrote it in my mid-20s it was the second book I'd ever written and it was very 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 different from what ended up becoming Ruin of Kings so yeah, you're right. As it stands, with the, the book that got published, um, or even the book that, that I found an agent with and and you know, pitched a tour with, that book had to be part of a series and was meant to be part of a series.
0: Okay, that makes a lot more sense because I'm sitting there thinking, is like, there's no way a ruin of kings, as it was a complete story in your head. This is this, right. You definitely wrote something that was going to be, at, at minimum, a trilogy. It, uh, did you have an idea when you started writing write Ruined Ruin Kings that it was going to be five books or does that yeah. just how long it took you to take this, tell the story?
1: No, I, I knew it was going to be five books. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it was one of those things, right? People people would come to me and be like, how did you get Tor to agree to a five book deal? And I it was just I would just be like, I told him I needed five books. That that was the truth of it. I, it was never a trilogy. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. they they did ask me for a breakdown. You know, they they wanted to know exactly, you know, what was gonna happen when, and none of that survived contact with the enemy, but um, <laughs> I mean, literally like I, I submitted a serious synopsis and I think like a day later, my editor called me and said, have you thought about doing this and this and this and this? Have you thought about being a very strongly,
0: no, we no, would I, like I you to do,
1: we would like you to do this and this and this. And I, I didn't had no problem with it because it was I, I could understand where she was coming from on the points, and she. I have a T-shirt that says Davy is right, just to, to remind myself that she usually is, um, <laughs> but <laughs> she always is. But they, um, it, it basically invalidated the entire summer. I thought it was hilarious.
0: Gotcha, no, and, and I get it. I mean, too, you've got a story that you want to tell, but they've also been in the business for a while, right? So. And also, they're the one that's got the contract. And so you kind of have to, within reason.
1: Within well, reason, within yeah.
0: Reason.
1: But, you know, I mean, truthfully, Davy has, it, it, anytime she's ever given, my editor, anytime she's ever given me bad advice, it was because there was a misunderstanding, not because she was wrong. So,
0: you know. We're glad we got what we got. Mm-hmm. Like I said, anybody anybody who's gotten as far as I have uh, obviously is going to have to stick around for the next uh, book that's coming out. And and yes, I, I will get that because I actually was looking forward. Oh my goodness, I blanked on the name. Book four.
1: The uh, House of Always.
0: Thank you. The one with the Kraken on the front.
1: The one with the Kraken on the front. Yeah, absolutely. You, I, you're
0: not supposed to buy a book for its cover, but I've been totally wanting to read <laughs> that book. I just love that cover. And obviously we have to figure out it's been a while, but it's probably not a spoiler, but I'm still not going to say anything. I've, I've got to get to where book five starts, because I, I know where I'm left off on book three, and I've, I've just got to get there. By the way, is it wrong to say that I like Talon?
1: It's, it's not wrong to say that you like Talon. I, I've gradually come around on Talon.
0: <laughs> well, I, I feel like that because, I mean, she's, she's not necessarily the same character to an extent she is. She doesn't change a lot she's not exactly the same character at the end of book three as she was in book one
1: no no and, and by the end of book four she's changed a lot actually so you well, know no, there, there know. is
0: book some three ended i'm assuming so but let's not go there quite yet i don't that that might be a little bit spoilerish so, yeah so... yeah
1: no she's she has a lot of things that that happen she's she's yeah but yeah you know I, I i joke about this although it's absolutely Actually, went 100 correct. There hasn't been a book that Talon was in because she wasn't in Book Two. There hasn't been a book that she was in that I didn't try to kill her.
0: She was mentioned in Book Two. They they talked about her a couple. Yeah, but but she didn't show up. Yeah, yeah.
1: But there hasn't been a book where I haven't tried to kill her, and she keeps escaping. (laughs) Just like it'll be like I will have it set up. I'll have figured out the plot scene where she's going to die, and then I realize there's a reason why she can't die and
0: well she's just one of those characters it's like you have a character on tv and it's like they're gone for episodes like where so and so um i've seen quite a few uh tv shows actually where a character was supposed to die but the audience loves them and it's like I-, I know george lucas is still kicking himself for killing off darth maul but uh, I-, I get it you can't i almost feel like you can't have the story without talon she's kind of become integral almost
1: she, she's, um, yeah, she's, she's definitely become oh, an five. important yeah. part of it. No, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> going to tell you about book five, but, um, but I will say that, that she, that at the end of Rune of Kings, when I started getting a lot of feedback from people who really liked Talon, I was surprised because <laughs> I was like, but she's psycho. <laughs> she's, yeah, because- she's a, she's a cannibal psycho. <laughs>
0: I think there's always that little bit and part of all of us where it's like, man, I wish I could live my life that way where I just do whatever I want and didn't care. Right. Uh, right.
1: Especially when you, I mean, cause she's come from such a horrific background and, you know, life gives her, it's, it's an opportunity, yeah. you, you know, to live her life um, without constraints and um, she's taken it.
0: I, I do like the fact that, you know, how she started in book one. And again, I'm assuming you planned it this way, but it sets up how she's able to do certain things in book three, for instance, getting places where she's not supposed to get. Uh, and there's a couple of those things. I'll tell, I'll tell you right now, there's a couple of places in this book where I have kicked myself for not catching something that you told us early on and it didn't register. Uh, for instance, uh, getting back to the Kraken, you know him sending the kraken after them in book two i should have known that he didn't need to find out where kieran was but i i, I i'm with Thurbishar. he's like you know she's right <laughs> I, I <don't. laughs>
1: it was separated by a whole book it was well, separated by a whole book you know like I, I, by the time i presented people with the, the information that they could have gone back and looked at book one and went well wait a minute why if <laughs> If he could do this, why did he have to do this? Yep. Um, I missed it Sure, sure, yeah. So when somebody later points that out, then yeah, you, you can go back and go, oh crap, yeah, he, he really didn't need to do that, did he?
0: Okay, if, if I ask a question, you can tell me if it's a spoiler. If it's a spoiler, don't answer it. Just tell me you can't answer it. Book five, who's narrating? And you tell me, if if you can't tell me it, just say so.
1: I I can tell you that, because it is, it is kind of part and parcel to the formatting of the books. Is there is this, you know, I. I it's the downside to having a diegetic narration is mm-hmm. that you have a pretty good idea that at least that one character has to have survived, otherwise they can't be putting the pulling the book together.
0: I'm just saying, if somebody at the end of book four doesn't know something that this will answer in book five, don't tell me. But if you did, I was just curious.
1: Thervishar and Senrae are pulling it together gotcha. mutually. So they they switch off, you know, so Thervishar is one and three, Senrae is two and four, and then on book five, they share.
0: And if anybody hasn't uh, listened to the audiobooks, I love the fact that there's multiple narrators in the audiobooks, so you get that entire feeling of them going back and forth. Um, which I appreciated. I think that really helped move the story along and not get confused on that whole process.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's probably going to be, I think, the... Um, I don't want to say the, the, the downside, um, but probably the thing about book five that is going to be the most different from the previous books is just the number of POVs that have shown up versus the practicality of having a different voice actor for each of them. So there's fewer of that per gotcha. voices.
0: Did you find that was actually helpful or more difficult by starting out with this whole and I forget I know that I've looked up the word before I can't say it the one you said earlier. I point of view. Yes thank you.
1: So so when I first wrote the book it was not it was not. It was your traditional fantasy told straight from beginning to end. You know, started off when Kieran was 15, ends when he's 20 and a B C D E D F G. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. No, I'll say for, um,
0: I for one loved the especially Thurvishar or whatever, you know, the little comments they make. Right. As the quote unquote narrator. Yeah. It, you know, especially Thurvishar for being like this giant, you know, powerful wizard to an extent. He's got a little self-deprecation every once in a while that sneaks in there a little bit. And you you kind of appreciate that because especially in book one for lack of a better word, he's a little bit of a snob. I mean, we get to understand it. Sure, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. You know, he knows he's good, let's put it that Yeah, way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, some of the little comments, especially by book two and three, or especially three, uh, the little comments he makes when stuff hits him, and he's like, you know, they were right. <laughs> just, and the guy who does the voice on it, too, I'm sure you've listened to the audio. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, I love
1: that. Theodore sure. uh, Chen, um, he's just, he's amazing. He's amazing. And he, I mean, Thurbeshahr is, uh, is, is what Harry Potter would have been if he was raised by Voldemort. You know, he's, um, I mean, you know, he was supposed to be the chosen one. You know, he was going to be the, 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 the kid that was going to, everyone would have expected great things from if he had stayed where he was. And that didn't work out. Because, you know, evil wizards. Not that, yeah, he uh, a lot
0: of choices in most of his uh, matters, that's for sure. Yeah, n-
1: none at all. And, and that's part of where that self deprecation comes from is that, you know, truth of the matter is, he's done terrible things. He didn't have a choice in it, but he's still done terrible things. Um, you know, he has that, that trauma of having been literally forced to do these deeds. Right. Even though um, know you
0: didn't do it on purpose, you've still seen it in right, your hand.
1: Right. So so when I made the decision that Thurvashar was going to be the guy who was pulling together the events in book one in order to give it to another person, you know, that he was going to basically be handing off this almost a report of everything that went on to accomplish a very specific goal. I realized at that point that given the character I'd created he was going to comment. He, he, he would not be able to help himself. He would annotate. He would, you know, he would leave notes. Sometimes his notes are uh, just remarkably mansplaining. Um, I don't know if you've caught it, but there's been times where he was, he was basically, he was basically, there's been points in book one where he was literally explaining a conversation to the person who said the lines. If you want to think about it.
0: He'd make a good news anchor someday, but yeah, we get it.
1: Yeah, so you could just imagine that person being like, yeah, I I, I was there, I, I know exactly what happened here, and I think I know what I meant better than you do. Um,
0: which I think you set up Senere as a perfect foil for him to be honest with you.
1: I, yeah, yeah, Senere and um, Therushar are uh, quite an interesting pair yeah. and-
0: uh, She's the one that won't take any of his crap, that's for sure. I also no. love, I can't remember where, I think you either read it or heard it. I saw an interview you did somewhere, like I said, it might've been uh, just, you know, a, a writing, not necessarily a video. Right. But, but the fact that you, the reason, part of the reason you picked, and wow, I just tripped over her name, Senna. Senna Thank you. I said her name a minute ago. You and did. The, the reason you picked Senna Ray uh, to, to basically be the narrator in the second one is because you knew it would annoy Thurvishar. And I, and I loved that. I don't remember when I saw that, but I did love that comment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, from the very beginning, Senere enters into this story with this, not adversarial, adversarial relationship with Thurvisher, but adversarial in a scholastic sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. where she's, where she's looking at his work, his academic work and going, no, this is sloppy, this is badly done. this is you know and and here's how it should be done. And it didn't and is so incensed on an academic level about this that she does her own version of this book, even though it's it's not really a good idea <laughs> you know to to be pulling this together the way she is. And then it just becomes comes be, kind of becomes this this rivalry in footnotes you know through the course of the series
0: and i don't want to say this because I, I don't want it to make it sound like i'm boiling it down to this but but something that you just said when i was thinking about those two reminds me a little bit of sheldon and amy if you've watched the big bang theory or she's i missing. have
1: not okay so
0: <laughs> he's mr know-it-all um also i think they don't actually come out and say it but he's got a little bit of where he doesn't recognize, you know, kind of Asperger's, he doesn't recognize mm-hmm. people's body language, stuff like that, but he's, he's very much, so he doesn't get it when people sometimes are mocking him. It's just like he, he thinks they're so like, yes, I am the smartest person in the world, and she right. is just as smart and is like the one person who can like, yeah, okay, no, that's not how it works. She's <laughs> you know, like the one person that can take him down a notch.
1: Right, um, and right. Like I
0: said, I'm not saying that's an exact match, but it reminded me a little bit of it when you're talking about it like that. It's like, I kind of see that same relationship. One of the things we're coming up to, obviously, this is book five. Uh, This is, you've been writing it longer than this, but, you know, the first book dropped in 2019. Mm -hmm. So it's been a few years, and this has been the story you've been telling for all these years. I was originally going to ask you if you were going to take a break, but when I was looking at your website the other day, I saw a little thing up there about Sky on Fire showing 20%. Yep. I'm going to assume you're not taking a break. Nope. (laughs) Do you have anything about Sky of Fire that you can share with people at this point, or are we still well, focused on Chorus of Dragons?
1: No, no, I'm not. I'm not at all focused on Chorus of Dragons. That, as far as my involvement, is done. It's it's out. Um, you know, I I still am talking about it, articles and interviews and those sorts of things. But in terms of creative output, done. So so early on. For Ruin of Kings, uh, I would get a lot of feedback from people, not feedback, uh, questions from people who would be like, so are we going to be, are are people going to be able to ride these dragons? And I would laugh and be like, oh, no, absolutely not. You can try, but I don't recommend it Um, because yeah, my these dragons are not the friendly. They're not never they're yeah, yeah they're never going to be friendly. They're not misunderstood. They're not you know the, these dragons are horrible, um, universally horrible. But that idea kind of stuck with me, and you know certainly doing dragon riders is not a is is the opposite of an original idea. It's it's been done a ton. It's been done all over the place. But I did have a thought which was what happens to a society that is um, based around this relationship of dragon riders? If the dragons aren't the equivalent of slightly more intelligent winged dogs, what happens in a society when the dragons are actually every bit as intelligent as the humans, maybe more so? What does that do? And what it does is some some really interesting things where you know the dragons the humans aren't necessarily in charge anymore because you you have these creatures that are um physically powerful incredibly intelligent have all of these advantages and there are reasons why humans can't just do the normal thing and and enslave or ditch or you know all the stuff that humans typically do in these situations so so that kind of dominoed it started, you know, creating this this story that kept kind of nagging me to, to write about about dragon riders, but about these relationships. Because here's the thing, if if dragons have that level of intelligence, then the idea that you're going to show up at the hatching of a dragon and develop a mental bond with this dragon that is never going to go away and that you can't get rid of starts to become something kind of out of a horror story. So it ends up being, it's, it's dragon riders, it's a bit darker than what people might be used to <laughs> for this sort of story.
0: I don't know, after Rune of Kings, I'm not too sure about that. I, I think that's kind of what they expect from you.
1: Well, from me, maybe, but...
0: yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm not claustrophobic at all, but uh, the way the old man keeps his uh, musicians together, that's a horrifying concept.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was a suggestion of my husband. <laughs> we were we were coming up with him brainstorming stuff, and he's like, What about this? I'm like, oh that's that's just so wrong. Yeah, okay, we're gonna do that. Um, and I, I mean it's truth of the matter is like a lot of the dragons have that sort of they hoard and what they hoard is very often horrifying i mean you know when you think about what uh some of the dragons even besides um the old man yeah it's it's
0: i did like the fact that you also i mean your dragons obviously again we we've already covered this we know that they were humans and they do hoard things but it's they all hoard something different it's not like they're Gold or you know what what you expect from in right. your typical and again I know you're trying to get away from the D and D but that typical D and D setting this is definitely not
1: no no I, I I very much wanted to make sure that that it wasn't I mean there's there's some of the D and D roots I think that still show I think you can look at you could look at the the four main races and you can kind of go yeah human elf dwarf right. you know orc but I tried really hard to not have it fall into that quite so neatly. Gotcha. So I,
0: I did like without going into again I won't spoil it but I did like uh the reason the it didn't work on the Von I thought that was an interesting take that I was not expecting uh when I got down to that.
1: Yeah. I I um I, I like sometimes um playing with the idea of of the things that everyone knows, <laughs> the things that are just communal accepted knowledge versus what might actually be true because we do that a lot as people, you know, you, you get myths and you get stories and you get things that get accepted as truth and they're not always truth.
0: Yeah, so. I think it helps set you apart though, too. I mean, like, l- let's face it. How many dragon stories are there on the bookshelves in the sci-fi section? Uh, <sighs> R- Ruin of Kings, just if nothing else, the take on it stands out. You no, know, you're, you're doing it. Yes. It's nor- It's what I would consider normal fantasy. But there's a curveball. So, right. So people who want their fantasy story, they're getting their fantasy story. But they're also not getting every other dragon fantasy story that's been written. They're not getting every other god story that's been written. Right. Um, you, you tend to take a different take on all of it. Like we talked about, you know, even the gods aren't what we expect of them. And again, maybe I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but, you know, it's... I-
1: well, that thing I said about everything starts off as human, that applied to the gods too.
0: I didn't know if we wanted so. to say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It's fine. Like I said, it's, you know, nothing. But again, there's another thing that you tied in, which I appreciated the God Kings, Um, by the way, especially the one of the little houses. I, I enjoyed that little side joke immensely there. Uh, but the fact that. You know, their power actually comes, and we've seen this in stories before, but it was always about the gods. In this case, it was the god kings getting that power again by creating something in some way that they, it's through the worship. Uh, right. We may not, be ex- right. may not be explained per se why that works in this world, uh, but it, it is there. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, we've kind of maybe seen this before, but never in the way that you've used it before. And the fact that the god kings can aspire to become the gods. Even though they became gods again in a completely different path, I like right. how much of your your story is like everything that's like okay, this is a great unique gift, but I got it because I'm cursed. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of cursing <laughs> going on, and I don't mean cussing. I mean there's cursing going on.
1: Uh, sure, like sure. You know, and there's a lot of power corrupts, and there's a lot of you know things that I I think if you had these incredible powers given to you. And in the case of the God Kings or the case of the Guardians, in both cases, they eventually start defending their power base rather than, you know, we're going to just concentrate on helping people or protecting people. Because, you know, I mean, all you have to do is look around the world and know, know people in power tend to want to stay in power and tend not to really want to let go of that. So there's no reason to expect it would be better if you're talking about power that involves immortality and, you know, vast cosmic.
0: By the way, another thing I loved about Thurvishar, I just thought of this, and I can't think of the name now because I've got Monalvani stuck in my head, the other M guys, the ones with the spiky arms.
1: Uh, Morgagi. Morgagi, yes. Morgagi.
0: I love the... The whole speech he did where he, you know, maybe they deserve some of your respect. I thought that was an excellent speech. I just want to tell you that. A uh,
1: thank you. Yeah, no. Um there's a there's a couple of times in the series where like Therese gets one in the first book, Dervishar gets one in book three, where they really kind of get to yeah. weirdly, both of those people are very, I don't want to say moral because particularly in Therese's case, he's an assassin. He has no problem with killing and doing horrible, violent things, but there is this sense that both of them get very upset by the injustices of the world. So that comes out in, in both of those speeches and in, uh, in Thervishar's case. Yeah. He, uh, had this opportunity to point out someone's hypocrisy and he didn't pass it up. So
0: no, not at all. I don't feel like he could, though. I don't think that's in his nature. It's it's funny, as much as they, he seems to be the calm-headed one most of the time, I think if you put him in a certain situation, he doesn't care if the other person can kill him with a thought. He's still going to stand up for what's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely say that's true.
0: There's a couple of things that you covered that I felt that I think you handled really well, and I was just wondering how much time you put into the concept of it. Especially the the one was the whole, uh, I've got Tenye stuck in my head and I, this is a question that just popped in my head that I didn't have it written down, but no, the one, uh, the Jorashash, Jor, Jor, oh my God. Jor,
1: goodness. Jortiz. Thank you. <laughs> oh it's okay. Goodness. It's okay. This is what
0: happens when you just listen to the audiobook and don't have it in um, you. um, But the whole concept, I mean, it, it's, she had another word for it, but it's basically honor in, you know, the right. fact that it was very much that it was. Earned and you owed, the, you owed the honor to somebody, but it was also because that that is how, you know, a kingdom was, it was or a king was a king or a ruler over what they could protect. It right. wasn't about what they could gather, what they could get for themselves. It's about the people that they could protect. And that whole concept, I thought, was done really, really well. Um, I feel like it's maybe something we don't have a lot of in this day where we don't necessarily... We don't necessarily respect certain people, but it's also because I think a lot of leaders, and I'm not going to get political, I'm not just talking about the U.S., I'm just talking about in general. There's a lot of people to become leaders because they want the power, not because they're serving the people.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, you see a lot of demagogues, um, particularly in the modern world, and that's the the idea is power. The, the Jorah tease, Jura as a whole, was really interesting in that um, that was... You know, most writers have situations where they have a character who will rebel and will kind of go off and try to do their own thing, and they have to try to, you know, wrangle them back under control. Jorat was the first time I ever had a whole society do that, because I had planned originally on having Jorat be much more of a sort of traditionally medieval south of France kind of place you know, where you had a more feudal society and you had all of these sorts of, you know, uh, uh, parts of it, the, 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 um, the, the, the parts of book two that are basically me riffing on Ivanhoe are, are, are right in there, you know? But but everybody, not, not just a single person, like everybody rebelled and basically we're like, no, this isn't how we're gonna set up the society. This isn't how the Jortis are gonna do things. And it was, it was really interesting to, to do that. Probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire series is quite honestly in book two when the Baron who has messed up on this, mm-hmm. this protecting everyone, effectively is given his walking papers because it, it was such a thing that could never happen in this world. It was such a thing that could only happen under that culture and by people who have bought in on this culture. There was the idea that the entire community could, that to some extent they actually were aware of the power that they had in a way that, that medieval societies were never aware of the power that they had, where they could be like, no, you only are in charge because you have proven worthy to be in charge the moment that is no longer true. Somebody else who can actually do the job gets to take over.
0: Right. You've got Um, core where it's basically comes down to a battle of who's the strongest. As to where Jorad, it's about who's the best leader. Right. Who is taking care of the people the best. And I love the fact that you managed to bring this because I think we have a hard time, everybody. When we see a culture that's not like ours, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around it sometimes. And I think you did a good job of, like I said, showing that, you know, these are different cultures. Living in the same area, there's, I feel a lot of times, especially, and again, this may just be me as an American. I mean, yes, we've got Canada to the north, we got Mexico to the south, but compared to a place like Europe, where there's country, 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 culture, 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 I just don't think that, I think the West has very much almost become, to a certain extent, a culture. Um, right. As to where, you know, so we don't, we don't always have to deal, quote unquote, I mean, yeah, you can have, like, there's a little bit of a culture in the, the Southeast versus the Northwest, stuff like that, just because we're so big. But I don't feel like we have to deal with this and actually, I think we'd be better if we would spend more time studying other cultures and uh, just, you know, not even cultures, just people and going, okay, what's your point of view? And actually listening right. to that. Right. Um, I don't have to agree with a, something another culture does. But I would at least like to know why they do it. You know, maybe there's a reason. Right. Heaven forbid, I say this as a white male, I might be wrong about something. Um, You know, I don't believe the exact same things I believed when I was 18. Uh, Oh, Yeah. uh, and I would be, I would hate to think that I did, to be honest. Yeah. I—I I, Oh,
1: who, anybody who's, mm, that would get, uh, I just, that would be interesting.
0: I feel like a lot of our cultures, we get to a certain age, uh, this, again, and I, I can't speak for other cultures, but at least here in America, where we get to a certain age and we're set. Yeah. And we don't, we, we like to argue, but we don't like to listen.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there's a, there's a very famous quote that the, the problem, the the problem with the modern day is that we only listen as far as we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next. Exactly. Instead of listening to actually understand. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, a pet peeve of mine, one of many, I have, I have thousands, is the, in so many fantasy stories, the, the way the cultures are homogenous, you know, and, and it's all just kind of one big culture, even if it's different countries and different areas and that,
0: I feel like they either go one way, they either go homogenous, like you said, or they go good and bad.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't just be different. That's not right. Yeah, and that that was definitely a thing that I didn't want for anybody. You know, like the the Jorites. That's not a perfect culture. There's there's some real problems with that culture. You know, there's things they do really well, but you know, you wouldn't want to be a nerd in that culture.
0: No. <laughs> I don't think we've got a lot of, a lot of places for those.
1: No, um, no, it's 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 a whole it's a whole culture of jocks, you know. It's you know, and, and and it's also very binary in in a lot of its thinking. So, you know, you're either male or female, and well, the fact that kinda. somebody something in between is called a gelding. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. when that first came out, when that, that idea first came out, uh, there were some people who were very upset about it. And I was like, yeah, it, you, yeah, it's bad. It's problematic. It was meant to be. It's not, it's not meant to be perfect. Um, I think the
0: funny thing is, though, is I read it very differently. Maybe it's because I read it after the fact. I read it much more as the fact that you brought in this whole idea of stallion and mare, And it wasn't necessarily a, you were born this way. So right. if, no, no, this is your role. You know, it, it's, I mean, it was basically up to them. Is like, you know, what right. role do I want to be regardless of my sex?
1: Right. And, but I mean, but that's what I mean when I say that it's still very binary, you know, physical appearance and, and biology aside, you're still expected to choose one of those and stay in your lane. You know, if you, if you Say you're a man, you're expected to behave a certain way. If you say you're a woman, you're expected to behave a certain way. And there isn't a lot of leeway or understanding for somebody who um, says they're a man but wants to engage in behaviors that are considered a woman's place.
0: Gotcha. You know,
1: so so that's problematic. That's deeply problematic. Um yeah, far, far for, from being perfect because I, I just didn't want. I, I wanted these cultures to be imperfect. felt very strongly that they should be. Most cultures.
0: I just thought you handled very well Kieran's struggle to understand where Janelle was coming from because she right. was in the majority. Because I think, let's face it, there's, there's a lot of us that probably still have a hard time. Is like, wait, what? You know, we, we, we're, we're stuck in that mode because, I mean, let's face it, we've been here for thousands of years. Um, where we would have that idea, have a hard time wrapping our heads around the fact is like, well, what do you mean you're a stallion? You're a woman. What do you right. mean? What do you mean right. he's a mare? He's a guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because it, we want to stick again, we want to pick those roles and stick them to a certain sex.
1: Right. Yeah. And I'm quite honestly writing Janelle is some of the hardest writing I've ever had to do, and it was really very eye opening to me because I kept trying to write her as a woman. I kept trying to have her do things the way a woman would do those things. And I kept having to pull myself back and be like, no, that's not how she would behave. Because even if she looks like a woman and she calls herself female and she uses female pronouns, societally, she has been raised with this behavior Mm -hmm. as being normal for her. And this behavior doesn't match those things. It it was, I didn't expect it to be as challenging as it was because I write men and women all the time. You know, it didn't. It never occurred to me that that would be difficult to write. But
0: it was a it was a little bit humbling. It did feel like your finished product though was was very very well done. It it wasn't you know necessarily the slap in the face to Karen. I was like, what do you mean you don't understand it? This is obvious. But it also wasn't the fact that he was just uh, oh I got it. I was like, no, is that right. this. He took time to process, and I love the fact that you came back to that. With uh, almost said Terrell, Terese. Terese, yes, thank you. Um, Terese. Later, he's you know it's funny because he's known her in this previous life, but this isn't the same right woman, right? For lack of a better word, right? yeah. As she likes almost almost refers to herself as girl versus uh, you know woman sometimes um, um, because when she was younger, right. Uh, But the fact that he's still wrapping his head around some of these same things and learning that, you know, he's got this perfect recollection of all his past lives, and she's only getting to this point to an extent. And so the the whole, he, and and he brought it back to later where he was asking her about the, uh, yeah, I keep wanting to go back to Tenye, and I know that's not the the thing, the honor one. Soudage. thank you Soudage. i needed to write these down too, 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 many, too many questions actually pop in my head after i start talking to people um but the sudage you know he didn't understand that concept and the fact that he's like you know was finally like you know you need to explain this to me i need to understand right right um, which is not necessarily something that the uh, uh every guy would be willing to do saying you know go and like ask he's like i don't understand what's going on can you explain it to me we like to talk, and I guess as a male, I feel like I can say this. We like to sometimes talk about us understanding something that we have no clue and we're just making stuff up on the spot. Sorry if I let the cat out of the bag there. but uh. it's,
1: it's okay. I, I'm, I'm aware. Okay. Um, I, just,
0: I just thought that you wrote very good male characters. I mean, some were prototypical males, but there was also some that like, you've you had this wide spectrum.
1: Well, I think there should be a wide spectrum. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's the same way with, Women, there should be a wide. We're multitudes, you know. Right. Th- there should be. There should be all of us. And it's certainly, Terence had some. It, the fact that he could remember his past life from basically the very beginning was a real handicap for him, because he kept trying to behave as if these people were, Janelle in particular, were the people he remembered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, was going to behave like the woman he remembered and. She wasn't, and she didn't, and they kept tripping him up. You know, that, that he thought he had this emotional connection with somebody who not only didn't remember him, but wasn't going to put up with him treating her the way that he wanted to.
0: Right. You could argue so, that the woman he loved doesn't exist anymore.
1: You could argue successfully, I think, yeah. Um, you know, she's literally not that person. Um, so, and he had all kinds of other, there were other issues going on too, but yeah, no, I I think that I like to give people the opportunity to be both very smart and very dumb as they, (laughs) as, as appropriate. And, you know, um, again, those culture clashes were interesting to me. So.
0: And on the Thank you. End of I the appreciate. Spectrum, it. You also gave us Darzen, which I think was pretty much the prototypical 1950s male. Um, that's besides the point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Darzan Darzan's probably the worst thing I've ever written in terms of no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Yeah. Gadreth um, might be
0: in the running, but yeah, Darzan Darzan was just uh, not a nice guy.
1: Gadreth at least like had convinced himself that he was going to accomplish some good things. I mean, that, that was a lie, but, you know, he he kind of had...
0: A, a lot of us humans can convince ourselves we're doing something right. for the right. Right.
1: No Darzan didn't even have that. You know, Darzan was a nihilist. You know, he really did want to watch the world burn. and As, yeah. as
0: long as he could be the one to light the match. He, he wanted right. to be in the thick of it, that's for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He wanted to be the one to light, to ma- light the match. That's a and put out the kin you know spread out the kindling hopefully yeah. so
0: he, he was definitely the kid that you know stepped on ants just because he could
1: yeah we saw yeah, that no with question
0: how he, he treated the slaves um in that especially in the first book
1: yeah no. was, it, was that
0: the second book or the
1: no first book okay. he was in the second book as well because first the first book and the second book take place right. simultaneously
0: i've just i've just like done them all at a big stream lately and i'm like wait where did that cut off at again yeah so
1: yeah, no. Um, in, in point of fact, I I uh, I know we're running way over at this point, but um, I there's, there's
0: no limit. I just try not to keep everybody more than an hour because you get lives and stuff. And
1: <laughs> I um I, I think part of the reason why like people took to Senere so much in the second book is because your first introduction to her is her basically just saying that asking if Darzen can be raised from the dead so she can kill him a second time. And I think I think that endeared her immediately to an awful lot of people.
0: I think it helped because when she was first introduced, she was not exactly the nicest person in the storyline either. No,
1: no, no. And unlike unlike Thurvishar, she could not claim that she was being controlled. You know, that that was not, she was, I mean, let's just not mince words. She was a terrorist. Um, and she killed an awful lot of people and, um, you know, she was a believer, you know, she, mm-hmm. she thought she was doing it for all the right reasons, but I think a lot of people do terrible things for what they think are all the right reasons.
0: Yeah. Well, you would hope the most people who do terrible things aren't doing it just because like, what's the worst thing I could do today.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, hey, 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 all the- Darzen being my exception, every single person, you know, running through the books is somebody who's convinced themselves that they're doing the right thing.
0: The other thing, and I'm going to give you yeah, it's a, it, I see it's after eight now, but uh, one more thing I wanted to talk, I didn't necessarily talk about one more other thing I wanted to say to you, which I really appreciated, especially considering how short time-wise this series is from the time you started writing it to now. Uh, other than a few notable exceptions, I may throw Gadrith and Darzan in there, but you know that they're also over with now. Yeah. Most of your characters grow. I see a lot of series where the person in book one is the same as the exact same person in book five. They haven't grown any. They haven't learned any. I'm only three books in, and I can already see that almost all of your characters are not the same person they were in book one. And it's not a... Change on a dime, sort of thing. Uh, Game of Thrones, anyone? It's you know, it's much more a. Things have happened to them. They've learned new things, and oh my goodness, they've they've actually learned from those new things, uh, right? Which you know, I think I think a lot of other. I won't I won't throw all authors under this because you know I I think that there are a lot of good ones that have got these stories, but a lot of times they take these stories and it takes. It may take 15 books for this person to mature out of who they were in book one. And of course, a lot of stuff's happening to your guys in a a short amount of time. But I appreciated the fact that, you know, the, the Kieran, the Tare, even the Janelle, et cetera, and so forth that we're seeing in book three is not the same as book one. And when people, most people in your, in your books are presented with something new that goes against everything that they've thought this whole time. It's not that they necessarily accept it right away, but they pause, they stop, they think. And in quite a few cases, they've actually changed their minds or at least, uh, take into account the fact that, you know, maybe things aren't what I thought they were. Right. And I just right. feel like if we as a society could have a little bit more of your, your characters in that way <laughs> in our lives, uh, we'd all be a little bit better off. Um, but anyhow, like I said, it has been a little bit over an hour. I don't want to keep you all yeah. right. Uh, I feel like we're probably not going to be able to talk a lot about of uh, Sky of Fire. Uh, that was the name of it, correct?
1: The Sky on Fire. Sky on Fire. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: without getting into Which is... spoilers or stuff. You said 20% in. I mean, the, the what you have now may obviously not be what it ends up turning out to be. Eventually. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's always um, – I have uh, the story – very well planned out at this point, but of course, mm. even once it gets sold because this is not a manuscript that is being written already attached to a contract at this point gotcha. this is you know, then I'll have to deal with it an editor and their opinions and and try to mm. so it may not it may not end up that way, but um but as of right now i I know very very strongly what's uh, what's going to happen i i've i've been describing the book to people as the, the the witcher meets the hobbit by way of dragon riders of pern
0: okay i didn't have the witcher in my brain but i will tell you right now i literally had dragon riders of pern and smog uh, going through my head before you ever said that that's exactly how i was thinking about it just based on your description Uh, We'll have to see how The Witcher throws in there. So so now I'm even more interested. So somebody needs to pick this up. Uh, The the,
1: the Witcher comes into it with a very grumpy, a very grumpy main character.
0: Well, (laughs) you gotta have at least one grumpy main character. If somebody's not yelling, get off your lawn, are you really trying? Right, yeah. I mean, obviously we've got book five to look forward to. I keep putting the "the" the wrong place. Is it Discord of the Gods or the Discord of Gods?
1: The Discord of Gods.
0: Okay, I cannot get that set in my head. So that's obviously coming up. But I also wanted to let your fans know that uh, this will not be be the end, and it sounds like you're already viciously, I don't know, viciously, or writing the next book as well.
1: Enthusiastically. There's there's a good (laughs) one. Um,
0: All right. Well, I am going to go ahead and call it uh, for now. If anybody's watching on Twitch, uh, like I said, feel free to hit the follow button. Uh, I don't ask people for money. If you do have a Amazon Prime subscription, though. You automatically, if you don't know this, you get a free subscription that you can use on Twitch once per month. It's true. If you use that on me, I, I won't complain about it. Otherwise, uh, if anybody missed anything, came in late, anything like that, feel free to swing by YouTube tomorrow. Uh, my YouTube link is also in the about underneath. And other than that, I'm just going to thank Jen Lyons for joining us today. I thoroughly appreci- appreciate it, enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, what comes next.
1: All right. Thank uh, you very much for having me here.
0: Thank you, ma'am.